Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, well, my name is Sabine van der Swan. I'm Dutch born, but I was raised in Singapore and New Zealand. So until about eight years old, I lived in the Netherlands. My um, stepfather used to bring home the English Bulldogs and he used to say like, it's an ex-show dog, not good enough for show. So as a kid, I always thought, oh, what's a show dog? You know, so that was like a little trigger that went along. I was horse crazy. And then we moved to Singapore and there were no horses there, but there were lots of dog breeders. And my mum used to help the rescue uh, lady, used to feed all the wild dogs, all the stray dogs, I mean, in the house. And our neighbour used to breed the Pekingese and the other one had a rough collie. So I used to hang around and play with the puppies and just listen, ask for questions. And then we went to New Zealand, where I used to uh, um, watch the match ring, ring training classes. I mean, like the match shows with the beagles and the hounds and but in new zealand a dog always had a purpose so you didn't just have a pet dog you know you had a guard dog or you had a working dog and they were always used for something and our neighbors had uh, pig dogs so i used to find them fascinating they used to like cross the bull terriers with the labs or the rottweilers and you know i just hang around and with the hunting dogs so but the show dog always sort of lingered. And then I went back to uh, the Netherlands and I wanted a show dog. I wanted to become a dog breeder because that's just what I wanted to do. I didn't know why or what for dog. I would have any dog, any breed. It didn't matter as long as it was a dog. So until finding your breed, you just fascinated with them all. So I saw a... Um, how do you say, the movie Mad Max, and they had like an Australian cattle dog in there. I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, it was very important for me to have a uh, dog that was highly protective. So that was more my vision towards where I was gearing towards. And then I was at the dog show and I also, also saw the Akita. I thought, oh, that's nice. So I put myself on the waiting list and those were the first two dogs I had. And I was going to breed them in my mind but then with the health testing and they just weren't good enough but the cattle dog was about i think 10 months old or something and he just destroyed everything huh. so then i thought oh well, i better go and start dog training so we then done the police dog training because that's the only thing we had in our neighborhood so here i am you know with a little blue healer going to the police dog training and that was the start from training and the fascination. I saw the other breeds and then moved to the UK and wandered around there and just had my dogs and just as pets and rescues until um, I went to uh, the US because I saw an advert in dog paper. They wanted, uh, they were looking for a show dog handler. So I thought, okay, I'll try that. So I phoned them up. And I went to New York and 
did uh, the Sharpay and lots of other different breeds. So I fell in love with the Sharpay. I thought they were really cute and wrinkly. And I thought, well, that's the dog I'm going to breed. And so when I came home uh, to the, back to the UK, saved up my money, went to Crofts, had my photographs, and I showed them what I wanted and how I got the Sharpay. I imported different uh, bloodlines into the UK, had a few litters, but I soon found out it's like playing Russian roulette with all the health problems. And, you know, one minute you'd have good eyes and you have two with good eyes and then they had the amyloid, the Sharpay fever. It was just too heartbreaking. So the last imports I had, I think I had every health problem that you can imagine in the breed. So I just thought, no, that's not for me. I just kept my older dogs and we just had them until she died. Then three years after, I was surfing the net and I saw this uh, photo of a, a dog being uh, crushed by a, by a truck at half a face. I thought, oh my God, what's that? So I started, clicked on the photo and I ended up on a site where um, they were just doing a rescue mission and they were like emptying, tr unloading trucks. And I saw this dog in a cage uh, upside down, all folded up, and it looked like uh, the dog for the littlest hobo. Mm -hmm. So I contacted the photographer and I asked her, like, you know, is it possible? Where where are these dogs going? Is it possible to adopt them? You know, and then she gave me the address, who to contact. So I contacted Soy Dog, and I actually found this particular dog. And eight months later, she came to the UK. And didn't even know it was a Taiwanga dog at the time. And we thought she was a husky cross German shepherd. But she was just fascinating. It's like her, her memory, there was a sort of a wildness about her, but she was still a dog, but she wasn't a dog. She was more like a fox. And she would observe you and she just knew exactly what you meant without telling her what you meant. You know, it, it's very difficult to explain. Mm -hmm. And I thought she would never be protective or anything like that. I thought, well, she's just a dog. And I still wanted a second dog to show because I thought, well, it is something that I liked to breed. So I was like searching the net again, looking at the Thai Ridgeback dogs because they uh, reminded me of the Sharpay, like the original Sharpay, the horse coats. And over the years, you know, I, uh, how do you say? Um, I had a, a network of people that I knew because we all like dogs. Mm -hmm. And they had just imported the first Taubanga dog puppies into the Ukraine. I thought, oh, they're cute. You know, what breed is this? So I started looking at the photos and I thought, hold on a minute. That looks like our dog. That mm -hmm. looks like our dog. And that's how I found out we actually had a Taubanga dog. Wow. So I thought, well, we've got one. I like the breed and there's more of them. And I found out it was a rare breed and and that just got my fire going, you know. So I started researching where can I get a good breeder from and, and you just go from here to there and and all of a sudden, you know, you just find your way. But it wasn't that easy. But that's how I got started with a Tabanga dog. And it was more sort of in honour of her. I thought I can't save all the dogs, but I can do my bit for the breed and and that was nine years ago. And uh, like the passion still burning, so <laughs> I love wolves, mm -hmm. but you can't really have a wolf as a pet, you know. They'll mark the territory, and I know people say 
you can have them as a pet. But there's a lot of negativities about having a dog, wolf dog as a pet. So they combine the wolf, they're, they're natural breed, they're not man-made. They're a combination of all the dogs that I like. So the negativity of them is the dog fighting, which the Akita has. Mm-hmm. But they're more obedient than the Akita, you know? Mm-hmm. The devotion that they have for the owner is just incredible. But they're like like children. If you really read the, the body language and the signs, you know, you can just talk to them. Everything I knew about dogs or learned dog training, you can forget about the bungalow. Mm-hmm. You know, they're extremely tenacious. If they want something, they'll do it and they will observe you doing it. You know, they'll be in the beginning, they'll be looking around the house and, oh, can I get up there? And, you know, they'll climb and they'll find a way up there. They're like cats. If you have a fox, if you ever had a fox, like or seen a, like a wild fox or a pet fox, mm-hmm. they're very similar. You know, they can climb and they will work things out and they'll see you open a door and they will learn to open it. Thankfully, not all of them are like that. Mm-hmm. But I have one, you'll open a door quicker than anyone else, you know. But if you take them uh, traveling, you don't have to teach them to sit or lay down. They just do it automatically. Where you are, they're calm and they're just at your feet. Well, at least my dogs are. I've never trained them that way. Mm-hmm. They're not hyperactive like a border collie. But they're just as smart as a border collie. But they're not in your face. Oh, what are we going to do next? You know, that mm-hmm. hyperactivity. But if you're ready, they'll be ready to learn. But they are not, um, they're a bit like a husky, I suppose, mm-hmm. with the noisiness that they can run and not come back <laughs> for a while, but they always do come back. So it's a little bit of a, a blend of those breeds and like the speed that they have and they're very reactive. You'll be uh, walking, uh, walking the dogs and then all of a sudden, you would think, oh, why's he got a spring in his step? He would have caught a mouse on the way, and there's like little tails sticking out of his mouth. I mean, you don't even notice that they're so quick, like in a blink of an eye, they've caught something. They like a lot of freedom. They love to run and jump and explore and investigate, and they'll come back. And, oh, look what I found! And they're off again. And you know, I suppose that's the naturalness mm-hmm. is what uh, sets them apart from other breeds. And then still they're in tune with the owner. But then one bungalow is not like another bungalow. You know, you have the different lines and some of them have really strong feral uh, temperament that are very difficult to train and can be quite aggressive. So, you know, maybe I got lucky and just happened to choose the more developed uh, type, like the show dogs mm-hmm. and the old line is the way I differentiate them. Like the old line is just very close to the street dog temperaments, like the feral mm-hmm. temperaments. So if you know what a feral uh, pack of dogs are like, you know, that can be quite frightening. Mm-hmm. And the show dogs are more developed because they have to be able to be touched by a stranger. But even so, they have you have to teach them to be, to be touched, you know, because without the owner, you can do nothing with them. It really takes... Uh, a couple of months for them to settle and accept you as their owner and then they're the most loving animal you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, they haven't really got a purpose. They weren't bred 
as a purpose. They're like a natural dog that originated in the temple, in the Bangal temple. So they're just a, a mix of like domesticated dogs in the olden days. I, I tried to research what breeds they could have been. And you know, the closest I've come is like the Japanese Spitz that were around the era of the time. Mm-hmm. And from what I've spoken to the Thai uh, people, because they say like some herding breeds are coming, but it's all hearsay. We don't really know 100%. We, all we know is like that a pregnant female, a long-haired female, she was pregnant. And because of the rain seasons, you know, she could only have been pregnant by a wild dog because mm-hmm. due to the floodings, like yet yet the jackals there and yet like the dolls, but nothing is really 100% uh confirmed you know it's like all guessing game and but so they haven't really been bred for a purpose they're just like originated around that area and they mixed with the breeds like the feral dogs you know around the temple and the domestic uh different domesticated breeds that they had or the mixed breeds and i think that's where they got a little bit the spitz type but you know i don't really no, and nobody really gives a straight answer because some breeders, you know, they have tried to breed uh, jackals with them, like the Asian golden jackal, with them again. But if it's if it really worked, you know, you don't know. But some lines can be really difficult, and they're very much like the wolf dogs that really nobody can touch. And others are like the Samoyed that are happy happy bouncy dogs and I think well that's not natural because what's unique about the bongo is they don't like everybody they're not uh, how do you say they're not social like a golden retrieve or a samoye mm-hmm. they can be friendly with people and visitors if they're used to it but it's not their purpose it's not their purpose to be a house dog or working dog they try to uh, send them to the army testing out you know what they could do could they be a custom dog or, or work the patrols and but they'd be found to be too stubborn for that but they're basically still testing out and most of them are just companion dogs protecting the property mm-hmm. of of the owner because they have a fierce temperament a fierce reputation i mean when i'm in thailand with the dogs, oh, it's a bungalow, you know. People are like, oh, and they'll walk around you in a in a big circle. They don't come close to you. They hardly want to touch the bench, you know. When you're going through customs, it's it's fascinating to see, but it made me laugh because they're really sweet. But at the same time, you don't want to mess with them. Mm. So. To say what purpose have they been bred for, they haven't really had a real purpose, but it's, they're more or less a companion dog, protection dog, you know, mm-hmm. but no real purpose for what they've been bred for. Without selection, you know, like if you're German Shepherd or your Border Collie is a herder, this is not what what it's about with a Bengal. But they make great family dogs. Is there a registry that uh, recognizes them at this point? Yes, there are about uh, four different registries. Mm-hmm. Well, you got the Kennel Club of Thailand. Mm-hmm. You got the preservation and development of the Bunga breed in Thailand. Uh, 
which is the association for Chandaluk. You got uh, Tabonga Dog Kennel Club Thailand Association for Chandaluk, Tabonga Club Thailand, Bangkok, and then you have the Chiang Mai Tabonga. So you, you've got a few mm-hmm. different ones, and they all have like their own registrations, and some are accepted by the Thai Kennel Club. So to get the export pedigrees, you know, you have to have the, like from the Thai Kennel Club. And, Sometimes it's not uh, very easy to get like a full generation of pedigrees, export pedigrees. So when people are looking into buying a bungalow, they think like, oh, it's a cheap puppy. But usually they don't have the right registration or they're bred from the from the puppy farmers. And, you know, and they're not like from the real breeders because the real good breeders, they have like FCI um, association and... Mm-hmm. Taibunga Club Preservation, you know. And one bungalow is not the other bungalow. And it's uh, quite a a maze that you have to go through. Is there efforts to get them recognized by the FCI? Uh, Yes. They first um, done the the selection around in 2004 with with Thailand. And then around 2006, they were recognized by the Asian Kennel Club Union. And around uh, the final evaluation was FCI in 2010 with Mr. Paul Stanton. And last year, they should have been fully recognized, but due to COVID, it hasn't been officially confirmed yet. So, so we're just waiting for official uh, confirmation really but they should at least this year be fully recognized with the fci i think the first ones in aqc there was a club in around uh, 2004 and then it was um uh, it was stopped because people uh, uh, underestimate this breed <laughs> so probably a lot were found to be aggressive when they have to come to you on their own terms like the more pressure you give them the more wary they become of you and the official standard uh-huh. uh, well it's a white dog with um, broken markings they prefer to have uh, like a symmetri- symmetrical head markings um, semi-long hair not too long spitz breed Medium-sized uh, females are 41 to 50 centimeters, and the males are 46 to 55 centimeters. It's a square breed. The tail shouldn't be curly. It should be up. It's sort of more like a banana. It shouldn't be touching the back. Mm-hmm. They've got small ears. They've got oval eyes. Slant a little bit. Wolf expression. They should have a scissor bite straight front and good angulation and no dilute markings and all colors and they've got uh, three different uh, colors um, in different shades white gray white brown from lemon to red and uh, white black disqualify we do have a disqualification uh, fault which is like the solid color with white markings although white dog is not correct it's 
more correct to have a white dog than a solid colored dog with white markings, but you should have a white dog with markings. Mm-hmm. But they can be any shape of markings. What do they typically weigh? Um, that varies because you, you have the lighter bones and the heavier, but usually the, from around 15 kilos to 22, 25 tops. I think some of that try to do some agility and what they what they try to do, you know, send them into the army, but they're, they're too stubborn for that because they'll do something five times right and then the six times they'll think like, oh, do it yourself <laughs> and they will be bored with it. So they're not really a dog that you do harsh training with or many activities. They're basically just companion dogs and they're at home guarding the property or, or show dogs. The most negative negative thing about this breed is the fighting because they have the same sex aggression. Uh-huh. But it's more of their own breed because they're so reactive, which is the same as the Akita like 20 years ago. Right. You know, if, if they growl, they will just jump on them. <laughs> You know, the, 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 it's, they're very quick and reactive, and puppies will fight as well. I suppose some terrier litters, you, you have the same. But when we had our first litter, I mean, basically, the Europeans, we're all learning as we go along. You know, like, the first one was an adult, so we didn't really know what to expect. She must have been well-trained or well-behaved at some point, because that's how it started, and then... The ones I bought, because I was the one, the first one that imported them to the UK. I bought them as puppies, but they were trained to be show dogs. Mm -hmm. But even uh, when you get them, and maybe my approach was was good at the time, I don't know. But when I uh, um, brought my male home, the first thing he did was attack my sleeping uh, female, the rescue. And she had done nothing. She was just like laying there. But I didn't realize that everything that's around the person, they feel the need to protect. Mm-hmm. So they, they will uh, lunge at anything that comes near the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be animal, human. So that's the stuff that you have to be alert about and train them that it's okay. They don't have to lunge and jump all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And so the first three years are the most difficult with them. So that's the negativity thing. If I could change the fighting, then I would say they'd be perfect because I like a dog that is protective, that I don't have to teach them to protect me. They just know if a person is wrong, has wrong intentions or, or good intentions because they will be friendly. And if I have visitors here, I always say like, ignore the dogs, mm-hmm. let them check you out. And it can maybe sometimes be a tense, but just you have to be relaxed. If you're tense and stand there, they will become more wary. But if you're just relaxed and let them sniff you around, you sit down, don't keep standing, just sit down, relax, let them sniff you, and then you can touch them. Don't even climb on your lap and come for cuddles. But as soon as I was to leave the room, like to make a cup of coffee, they will be on alert watching your visitors again. So... You know, some are just a little bit sharper than the others, and you might have to put them away or behind the baby gate or whatever when visitors are there. 
just to keep them safe. But but that's just their natural instinct. Maybe it's a genetic thing. I don't know, but it's not trained. They just do it automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very observant. It's just basically the socialization which comes into force that you have to be very good at and consequent and you know I used to put my hand on their hand you know it's okay good boy and good girl and it's like oh it's okay and you know and now it's fine they love children but they're not born to love children you know you have to teach them that children are okay and when children come running up to you oh I want to touch your dog oh so cute oh puppy oh looks so beautiful you know, it's like, no, calm down, slow, sit down, don't move, and let them come to you. And if you do it that way, if they come to you, then it's fine. If you let them run up, they'll back off. They'll either avoid being touched or they'll snap. You know, I suppose those are just things that you have to uh, be aware of. Mm-hmm. It's like, with, I don't find it a negative because I'm, I'm alert to it because that's what I want. But I know people who say like family dogs, they have, oh, you know, someone tried to uh, um, uh, take a, something from the table and my dog lunched at him. I said, yeah, because he's watching your visitor. It's your, your, your uh, toothpick or is your pen. You know, he can't just touch the pen mm-hmm. <laughs> without. So they're just very alert for things like that. So it can be negative. But you have to understand that it's just part of the nature. They're not really being bad or anything mm-hmm. like that. So if that's not what you want in a dog, if you want your dog to behave like a golden retriever, you, you should not have a bungal. But it's also not a dog that it has to be only with highly experienced dog trainers because that's not true either. It's just your own mentality. Mm-hmm. how you are with dogs and what you expect from them and you know if you want a dog that's always uh, highly obedience trained and sure you can get him obedient up to a point but you'll be really disappointed if you wanted a uh, obedience dog you know you mm-hmm. just want a dog that likes to be free and run and you want to go hiking you know they're great for that but at the same time you know they might catch a rabbit on the way or and they'll be protective if someone comes running up they'll want to keep them away from you so you have to teach them that it's not always necessary to uh, keep everyone away from you mm-hmm. but it takes training and and just basic common sense really because I can go on a train and they'll just all lay down at my feet and People can step over them and there's nothing, but that's just how I've trained them. They have a really good um, sense of smell, mm-hmm. so they're good at tracking, but not all of them will track, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. They will track, but not all of them would have the, uh, how do you say, potential to be a tracking dog. Mm-hmm. So I think some would be good at search and rescue. They like to search for things, but they're they're not very uh, toy-driven. So people have been training them for agility or having fun with agility. I can't say they're a 100% agility dog, even though they're athletic and they Mm -hmm. like to climb on things. Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you want to do agility competitions, I don't know. I suppose there's always some exception. You know, not really that much has been done with them up until this point. Not officially, anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, some in Finland are doing agility training. There's some that wanted them to be a detection dog, but failed. <laughs> but have they got the the potential to do it? Yeah, sure. But it would be just an individual dog, you know? It's not like, oh, I'm going to get a bungal, I'm going to do rescue dog training, or he's going to be my agility partner. Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't work that way. It, you really should just look at your dog and see what they like to do and work with it. I mean, Mamba, the one I have, and now he loves tracking, and he will hold on to a track, and then if he's found something, he'll just lay down himself, you know, and then you know he's found something. So that's just his temperament, the way he is. But they're not all like that. Mm -hmm. You know, he's my only one that, that likes to track. The other ones will hunt, and they will, they will kill anything they find but it's not controlled <laughs> oh yeah they love water mm -hmm. playing water laying in water paddling in water you know i mean not all like to swim funny enough okay but they do like running through the water and playing playing water none of mine have ever swum mm -hmm. but there are dogs that do like swimming just not mine but right. they love playing in the water it's their passion right. and digging. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they smell a mole or a rat, you know, <laughs> they've dug all the china or something. <laughs> so I find them the easiest dog I've ever had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I've had huskies that destroy the wolves, and yes, these can destroy things if they want. They want to follow you, but if you have plenty of chews, then then it's fine. I they have a high need to chew and to, to keep busy like with chewing otherwise um, but I can't say they've really destroyed many things except for the dog leads you know and they, then they dig if they smell something you know they will know exactly where there's something because they'll pass one two three and then all of a sudden they'll start digging like a like a like a terrier to try and get to the mole. So they might have never caught a mole, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> for me, I just like the way they're natural. If they're loose and if I see someone with a pack of dogs or I'll, I'll call them to me and they have to come by and I'll wait till they pass because they, they might lunch. I don't know what their dog is like. If they have a dominant dog, their mind will react immediately. If they have a, a non-dominant breed or whatever, then they're fine, mm -hmm. but that's what they're used to. You know, you have some that are great with children and others that aren't because they're not used to it, but it's, they like to be explained what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're really that much different to many uh, breeds of group five, except for the part that they don't like to suddenly be touched by strangers and the problem is they're so cute and beautiful so people want to touch them yeah. but they don't really like like all this attention you know if it's on their terms sure but 
I suppose that's the difficult thing about them. But I don't. I find them a lot easier than most of those breeds. You know, they're more obedient. They're very human orientated, family orientated. They like they're worse kennel dogs than house dogs because they want to be with you. So if you, I, I mean, now I have kennels as well because. Uh-huh my numbers have increased over the years. So I have like different generations, grandma, grandpa, brother, sister, uncle, nephews, you know, and not all get on. So I have like two family groups, mm-hmm. but the house dogs have always been house dogs and I alternate them. And they're just much better in the house because in the house they're, they're next to you. They'll just sleep on the sofa or on the chair or they'll sit on the, on the windowsill and they'll like watch what you're doing and other than that they'll just sleep until you're ready and then they'll follow you are you going to do the washing they'll, you know and they'll come and watch you do the washing and they're not hyperactive are you ready to walk out and go for a walk yeah they're ready to go for a walk you know but if you have a kennel dog or if you have more kind of they tend to be more bouncy and become more aggressive and noisier right. and right hyper Hype, yeah, so I want to call them hype because it's still like in the kennels, but I mean, yeah. if I go for a walk, they all want to go for a walk <laughs> and they'll start howling, you know, and, you know, and they'll be like calling out, it's like a pack of wolves sometimes, and the <laughs> neighbors must love me. <laughs> and it's not so much that, that they have each other that they're lonely, no, they just want you. So if you have a house dog, and you just let them, you know, be part of it. Then they're easy dogs. If you have them, keep them in the in in the garden or in the kennel. You know, you don't give them a happy life, and they'll re- they're more like wild dogs if they're in kennels. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's the way, you know. And they'll like be bouncing and they'll be jumping and and they can jump extremely high. It's just ridiculous for because they're not big compared to some breeds, and they're mm-hmm. so athletic. Like the one we got from Thailand, she's only about you know, 46 centimeters tops, maybe maybe a little bit smaller. And she'll just jump two meters from standstill and she'll like pull herself up and whoop, she's out, you know. Yeah. The first couple of months when she came out from Thailand, it's like she was a nightmare. And we had to like um, put a roof over the kennel because obviously she was a kennel dog and she would fight. With, with my other female, so, you know, she can't be a house dog. And she, she's allowed in the house now. But I thought, well, she's from Thailand. She's she's not used to it. she got bigger kennel and paddocks here than she did there. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But it's it was a learning curve for me, too, that, you know, they're not all the same. You can't just all put them together and think they're going to be a pack dog with as much training and socializing you want. Because some will get on and the others can't and they really know which is their family group so if you have more than one bungal you're better off having a male and a female mm-hmm. then two females or two males and if you have mother and daughter that's fine but you know two two litters different litters they, they get fight with each other mm-hmm. they'll you know They'll kill each other, given a chance. Right. It's it's a real uh, frightening thing when you first <laughs> experience it. 
That's difficult to answer, I think, because it really depends on the person. Mm -hmm. When I first had Melita, I thought dog trainers, that was it. You know, you have to be highly experienced and they're going to show them what to do. But it's the way you live with them, the way you talk with them is most important. You can be a complete novice, never had a dog before, but it also depends on which lines you choose and if you can trust the, the breeder to know its litter because in a litter you have like different temperaments and you know you have like um, the very sharp ones or you have the very softer temperament so the softer temperament are great house dogs you can be a novice but you have a sharp one then even a, d a real dog handler but you have to think about why is it growling why is it doing this so if you can think like a dog and understand where it's coming from, then it's fine. If you're going to be um, radical and think, oh, my dog's growled and or it's bitten someone or, you know, we're going to put it to sleep. For example, I had a dog come back and they were uh, German Shepherd people, a lovely couple, but they had a, a gardener come in and the dog had... Uh, bitten the gardener but you know and then they uh, the gardener uh, brought his dog in the house and he bit the dog they were going to put him to sleep because they were scared of what would happen he said yeah but you know he's in your garden he's he's protecting your your area you can't put him to sleep for that he's doing his duty so you know you have to think about things like that which is what they would do so I prefer, when I place puppies, I prefer Akita people because they're used to the, the fighting bit, the dominant bit. But I've also placed pups with complete novice people and they're, they're great house dogs, you know. So it really depends on, on the, the actual puppy. The real difficult ones I keep myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just the initial first week, first couple of weeks that you have to be careful with them. And take things slow and you know a lot of times people will say oh my puppy's growling at me why is it growling is it well he doesn't know you yet you know it's a bit of a shock because they look so cute and fluffy and mm -hmm. you know it's a puppy but that's just I, I don't I'm not a dog trainer so I don't have that explanation but that's just the way they are they don't as long as you don't trust them as long as they don't trust you or know you yet, you can't do nothing with them. Mm -hmm. They will do anything they can to escape and to get back to the previous owner. So if you choose this dog or this breed, you really have to think about, you know, how you're going to keep them and how your living situation is and is it going to be a permanent lifestyle because it's part of your family. They are, they are like your child. They, they look at you are their everything. And if you were to rehome them, you know, it's so hard on them. And I, I want to just re, again, re, realize how hard it is for them. You know, they will escape and they will be on the run and no one can catch them <laughs> because they just won't allow it. They're just so smart, and which is when their wild, feral instincts kick in. You just have to take things slow. So it doesn't really matter if you're novice or experience it just depends on what kind of breeds you're used to and if you're going to do a puppy uh, course and 
you know what your dedication is and not to underestimate them because they are fast and they can climb and you know they're not going to love everybody that you introduce them with and if they're willing to work that way then it shouldn't really be a requirement of what kind of person is as long as they're like calm and relaxed and like hiking and you know are prepared to have the dog as part of the family and not have them in the kitchen in the basket and think oh the basket is their bed and it's a dog it's got to behave it's got to do this then you're going to be really disappointed Mm -hmm. so for those people and for the dog i would not advise getting one enjoy watching them enjoy life Mm -hmm. (laughs) running playing in the water digging and you know they'll do anything what you want to do give it a go but don't expect them to do it more than five times you know for agility say you know just have fun with your dog but don't have high expectations of your dog you know you might have superpowers be your best agility partner or obedience dog but i doubt (laughs) it